Welcome to Beyond Politics. We're broadcast on WKXL and we're available wherever you get your podcasts. I, as always, want to thank all of our new subscribers on behalf of my co-host, former Congressman Paul Hodes, and myself, Matt Robeson. We've got a lot of new subscribers. A lot of people are really resonating with the kinds of material, the, the, the kinds of conversations we've been having recently. We just finished up recording a really terrific eye-opening episode with U.S. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. And then after that, because we do fill up a whole hour on the radio on WKXL, Paul and I did a little, a little follow-up conversation, a little digestion on what we had just heard, why it matters, maybe how we're thinking about it, a, a little insight from Paul into what goes on behind the scenes, what the spade work of being in Congress is really all about, and how that leads to long-term change. So we don't normally do this. We don't normally break up a show into, into two different podcasts. We thought we were just going to put out the Senator Whitehouse podcast, which stands on its own. And that is already out. And we're very proud of that conversation. But we also did want to bring this follow-up conversation to our listeners. So here it is. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you have subscribed or will subscribe to Beyond Politics. Check out Paul Hodes. He's at Paul Hodes one on Twitter and check me out on Twitter at Matt L. Robeson. Thanks for all of your support. And with that, here's that extra piece of audio for you. We're just going to digest for a minute on the um, amazing amount of information we just heard from Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, the Senate's leading authority on dark money and the right wing power grab going on in the judiciary and in elections and in the U.S. Congress in America. And I think that's that was the major thing that came through to me, Paul, is that the very it, it's the it's the football flood the zone strategy. Bill Belichick would love what we just heard there because it does sound so darn complicated and even just illustrating one tiny thread of it like the senator was able to do with afp and afp f and and just just looking at one piece of it begins to sound complicated and then you look at all of the many threads and it just overwhelms the census and so that's where i thought his his final point was a really, really good one, which is ignore the complication a little bit. Just look at the big picture. When you step back, it's all one thing. It's all connected. It's all one thing. And it's this huge funnel of money taken from we know not where and ending up in the same places with a whole lot of obfuscation and, and complication in the middle that you can ignore. It's, it's a river of money from these sources that is fundamentally messing up our entire system. Yeah, for just so folks understand, the, the people have probably heard about the Citizens United decision, and that was really what unleashed this torrent, this complete fire hose of dark, because it allowed basically unlimited spending by groups that don't have to disclose or report what they're spending and spending on. And so what you've got is all these organizations which have charitable arms, which are tax-exempt charitable arms, then they have these other arms, which are their advocacy arms. And they use the advocacy arms in, in, in to, to basically funnel huge amounts of money, as Senator Whitehouse said, from billionaire 
from billionaires whose interest is not uh, the integrity of our judicial process or our nomination process or the integrity of the Supreme Court or the integrity of the way our government works. But it simply is huge amounts, millions and millions into the billions of dollars to influence everything from our elections to the nominations process. And as, as, as the senator pointed out, it's all the same group. I mean, it, it's like a huge, many tentacled octopus. And if you just look at the individual arms, you miss the body. And they all emanate in the way from the same place. If this was, you would call this a racketeering conspiracy to, to influence and undermine our democracy with this kind of influence. And it, there are some people who have said, well, Democrats use dark money too. It, the, Democrats, um, the Democrats groups which influence things have, do not compare at all to the way the right wing has organized and multiplied. It, it, it's, it's like watching the Matrix movies. Right. It's like watching the Matrix. You've, you've got this one, this the one character who all of a sudden becomes hundreds of characters coming in our hero. And until, as the senator said, we really understand this concerted, organized effort with groups like the Federalist Society at the center of it helping to organize this effort and understand that this is a deep systemic problem until we really come to grips with that it's going to be very challenging to control this because you can go after voter suppression problems you can go after the problems in nomination you can go after uh, issues around the supreme court nominations and the all of that but this is a deeply systemic problem of, of, of a complete veil, a wall, so that the American voters do not know who is undermining everything going on that, that, you know, undermining elections, nominations, and a concerted effort to, I think, undermine our democracy. Well, that's the exact point that also stood out to me was it, what we don't know and how much we don't know what we may what we do know now may just be the tip of the iceberg so for example we don't know how much of this dark money is coming from overseas sources it's it's just something we don't have a handle on there are hints there are, there are scary hints so there's been this entire investigation that i alluded to very briefly into the link between russia and the nra and funding of support and campaigns for Republican candidates, including Donald Trump. The NRA spent $30 million, a then record for them, in 2016 to support Donald Trump. And we know that there are links between the NRA and Russia. Those are well, just Google it if you're out there and, and looking for it. But what we don't know is, is that just the tip of the iceberg? We know of some money that's coming in. I'll give you another example. There was the whole set of revelations based on a multimedia outlet investigation across many countries of the Panama Papers and the ways in which multinational individuals and, and money sources are sort of hiding their money internationally and in the U.S. And we don't know where all that money is parked and where it's ending up and who it's ending up with. And we see all kinds of very strange 
links happening. For example, the Sovereign Wealth Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia just invested in a venture of Jared Kushner's, $2 billion. The right wing lost its mind over a suggestion, a suggestion that $3.5 million from China may have ended up in an enterprise that was tied to Hunter Biden. Well, $2 billion that the, the, the leaders of that Saudi fund did not want to give. They were overridden by Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, the de facto leader of Saudi Arabia, because he has a personal tie to Jared Kushner. We just, the, the links here of the, these rivers of money, where they start and where they end up, we don't know. But the end effect, when people ask the question, how on earth did we end up with a Supreme Court that makes a decision that's so out of step with what people democratically want, you have to do the all the president's men maneuver. You have to follow the money. It comes from somewhere. And that's the, all of those connections and what we don't know is why this is so critical. I, I will commend to our listeners the uh, Brennan Center for Justice, which has really tried to shed a light on this whole this whole issue. There was a report on the Brennan Center in the Brennan Center, and it's on their website from January of 2022, talking about the fact that in the last election cycle, there was a record hundred million dollars spent on state judicial elections. Okay, people get this. Judges in most states are elected. And you would think, well, why would there be dark money pouring into state judicial elections? Well, because as the federal government has less and less ability to control what happens with civil rights and other rights, people are turning to the state judiciary to protect those rights. And, and in whose interest is it to depreciate or diminish the, the desire of the state judiciary to protect minority rights and other civil rights. Well, that's a one of those duh moments, $100 million coming into state judicial races. So the dark money influence is not just limited to what's going on at the federal level. It's also impacting what's happening in local state races. Well, that's part and parcel of something we've talked about extensively on this show. When we had David Pepper, the former chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party, who wrote the book Laboratories of Autocracy about this Republican takeover at the state level, one of the numbers that he cited that really stuck with me was $30 million. That was the amount that Republicans spent in order to win majorities in critical state houses in 2010. Well, why was that important? It's because that gave them control of redistricting in that cycle for the next 10 years, which led to them being able to win minority of, of votes, of actual votes of human beings in subsequent elections, and yet control the U.S. House of Representatives. And, and by the way, if there are disputes over the redistricting, where does it go? The dispute goes to the state judges. Right. And that's And that's why the money pours in to those races. And that's why David and other groups that we was working with in Ohio put so much effort into a long-term strategy. First of all, they brought a referendum 
directly to Ohio voters to have a commission overtake their redistricting process. And second of all, they invested in, I can't believe it's an elected position, but the state Supreme Court in Ohio is an elected position. Seems a little crazy to me in a way. And although I guess it does take care of the charge that unelected judges are, are running our lives, but they invested in those races. So what happened? When Ohio Republicans tried to gerrymander the you-know-what out of their maps this time around, they were subject to the referendum, the new uh, change to the state constitution that Ohio voters passed, and they were subject to a 4-3 decision. By the way, that majority came from a Republic, Republican, made the fourth, the, the chief justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, overturning that map, and it's now in a judicial standstill. But it goes to show that it's a twofer. This investment at the state level is not just about redistricting, but it's also about the raw power that's exercised at the state level, which is immense. It is absolutely immense. It has more to do with what impacts our day-to-day -day lives as Americans, what happens in these state legislatures, than what happens in Congress. And that's where Republicans have channeled their efforts and this kind of money. You know, what's really, uh, it's interesting, Senator Whitehouse is a, is, a, is, a, is a champion of democracy. He's leading the charge against dark money. He just the other day in his role as chair of the tax and IRS oversight committee led a letter to try to get the Senate Appropriations Committee to stop practice that would block the IRS from setting rules about dark money in politics. And you'd say, well, this is pretty obscure until you realize that Mitch McConnell has actually placed riders on budget bills in the federal government that, that stop the Securities and Exchange Commission from making any anti-dark money rules that affect corporations. So the, the effort of the dark money to reach every facet of the federal government goes goes to elections, it goes to nominations, it goes to allowing huge corporations to spend as much money non-transparently as they want to influence our system. I'm glad you brought that up because it's the kind of thing that sounds totally, as you say, obscure and also kind of like, it, it's somewhere between a big shoulder shrug and a really, really, that's what you're doing about this, Senator, really, kind of reaction that most people get. This is how it happens, folks. I mean, this is, this is, I, I, we tend to think of change in these big increments, right? As landmark pieces of legislation. It's true, that does happen sometimes. But the amount of focus that was put on, for example, the American Rescue Plan or the infrastructure bill last year shows just how rare that is. I mean, if you think about truly landmark pieces of legislation, they don't happen that much and they happen less and less in this totally gridlocked Congress. So the reason I'm glad you brought this up is that as a former congressman and me as a former staffer, kind of like behind the scenes, writing these kinds of letters and making these phone calls over to the agencies and trying to hold hearings and bring attention to things is it, it's very messy. It's, it's very down in the weeds, but you can attest better than anyone that this is the job. This is the work when you're elected. Yes, you vote on big pieces of legislation. You write big pieces of legislation. You wrote pieces of legislation in the past and are part of our laws today. That is an important part of the job. There's a lot that goes into it, but a critical part of it is this inch by inch fight 
for little obscure things that no one would ever think of that can have a massive difference and just bringing attention to them, just getting focus on them from the executive agencies. I mean, you did this kind of thing all the time, writing letters, calling the agencies, taking to the floor of the house to make speeches, to try and bring attention to things. This is the kind of thing you did. Yeah, well, and people, it is, it is, it is an essential part of the job. You've got to, it's why you have good staffers. It's why you were a good chief of staff. It's why we had a staff of really smart people who had their eyes and ears open because the federal bureaucracy and the federal government is so vast and the number of laws and bills is so vast that you really have to pay an awful lot of attention. And as you say, we have to be in this for the long haul. This is a long game. The, the right wing has been very patient and very persistent over a long period of time to create this concerted campaign. And we have to be as persistent and as supportive of the efforts to fight back. And it's not the sexy stuff. It's just not. It, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. So the Senator X, Congressman Y, wrote a letter highlighting this obscure thing. Okay, big deal. Well, actually, it is the, some of the most important work that gets done in our government. Right. It's brick by brick stuff. And actually, I'm really, really glad because we're going to have to wind this up at least for the radio version of this, there, there, there may be a little bit more on the pod, but we are going to have to wind this up. And I'm glad you finished there because everything we just heard from Senator Whitehouse, if you're a Democrat, look, if you're a Republican, but you're, you're not thrilled about the ultra right wing or the MAGA takeover of your party, this all may trouble you too. And so it's very easy for everything we just heard from Senator Whitehouse and from us, and especially from you, Paul, there a moment ago, it's easy for that to seem depressing for you to kind of throw up your hands and say, my gosh, or throw up something else and say, my gosh, what can we do about this onslaught? Like, we're just, we're just trying to get a handle on it. We're just trying to understand how big it is, how much there is, how deep all of this goes. And we're not even in the solution realm here. We're not, we're not even in the fix it zone. We're in the, let's just get a handle on it and get organized zone. And when you're there it can seem daunting. And of course, you know, the time-worn advice is, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I got to tell you, folks, we just did an episode last week, and I did a tweet thread about it. You were involved in that. It, it kind of went viral. Check it out on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Matt L. Robeson on Twitter. The point of that was, what we saw for the Supreme Court was in some ways sort of a culmination of a four to five decade long campaign to take over many institutions. I'm not suggesting that fixing all of this mess is going to take 40 or 50 years, but it's not gonna happen in one. And so for people who are looking at the projections about the midterm elections and saying, wow, we might get clobbered as, as a party here, that's depressing. Yes, it is. And for people who are looking at this gigantic mess that we've just profiled and saying, how on earth are we going to fix that? Well, it is. We're not going to fix it next year. But it's the kind of spade work that Senator Whitehouse was just talking about, the grunt work, where you and I are the grunts, that's so important. It's doing shows like this. It's getting people educated. And yes, it's writing the letters and making the calls and chipping away at it piece by piece. And with that soliloquy done, for former U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes, I'm Matt Robeson. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Politics. We'll see you next time.